Chapter 23, Clean or Unclean. This chapter is another aspect of the Torah instructions that Yahweh gave his people that modern Christianity has been doing their damnedest to get rid of. Another seemingly trivial subject sporting great meaning and needing addressing is the subject of clean foods versus unclean. After all, did Yahweh tell us in Numbers he created some creatures to be eaten while others not for no reason? Was he only denying his people fun foods like shrimp, pork, lobster just to be mean? Unfortunately, that's the shallow conclusion to which most of Christianity has settled. They go on to rationalize those diet restrictions were only for his people anciently, but that all creatures were later cleansed for food. But did he really, considering, especially considering Malachi 3.6 where he says, I'm Yahweh and I do not change, are we going to say that he lied? Honestly, if Christianity's foolish teachings on this subject weren't such a travesty, it would be hilarious. But considering their spurious private interpretations of most of the rest of the Bible, why would this subject be any different? So let's take a close look at some of those rarely addressed points they choose to ignore in order to justify their rabid consumption of unclean, i.e. not for food, flesh. But first, let's begin with a quick run-through of clean and unclean creatures outlined in Leviticus 11. There Yahweh informs his people the only animals created to be eaten had to chew the cud and have a divided hoof. Of course, swine do not chew the cud, which leaves them out of the edible food group. Also in the non-edible category are all carnivores and scavengers. Regarding eatable creatures of the sea, they require fins and scales, which of course excludes all shellfish. In the bird kingdom, no carrion eaters, that is birds that eat other animals, or bats were to be eaten. On the other hand, all clean or edible birds had to have four toes and sing. Finally, there's the insect realm where only grasshoppers, locusts, and crickets were created edible. No grubs or worms are to be eaten. In fact, honest science confirms the real dietary truth that many animals people eat should never cross our lips for health reasons alone. Virtually all honest nutritionists will tell you The unclean animals, that is the meat eaters, are not healthy for human consumption. Neither is the flesh of the scavengers, that is the eaters of the dead and dying animals, birds, or shellfish. The meat of the carnivorous and scavenging birds or creatures is filled with poisons which are then passed on to those eating them. But the clean animals are vegetation eaters with multiple stomachs and to further process or cleanse the food they eat. But is that the only reason most creatures are not created for food? Is there a message other than culinary? Or was that just another trivial, unfair, don't Yahweh imposed upon mankind? Once we understand the profound reason Yahweh did what he did, you can be sure this whole issue takes on a very unexpected turn. Before getting further into it, let's address the so-called proof Christianity uses to justify their disobedience in Acts 11. There we find Peter, after eating with uncircumcised Gentiles, as Paul called them, which was actually the lost tribes of Israel, was explaining to the other apostles and spiritual brothers a vision he had been given. In the vision, which is verse 5, he saw a sheet coming down full of unclean animals and heard a voice say, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter, knowing the Torah, 
refused until the voice said, What Yahweh has cleansed, you must not call common or unclean. At a glance, it's easy to see how Christianity could misinterpret this scripture as cleansing all creatures. But we must stay in context, which was Gentiles, that is the lost tribes of Israel, coming into Yahweh's fold. Those along with the non-Israelite were considered dogs and are unclean to the Jews. So Peter's eating with those so-called Gentiles was the real message of the passage, not clean or unclean meat. That's confirmed in verse 18 where it says, And when they heard these things, they became silent, and they glorified Yahweh, saying, Then Yahweh has also granted to the lost tribes of Israel, or what were being called Gentiles, uh, repentance to life. The context of Acts 11, when read completely, thoroughly explains itself. But another reason we know this was absolutely not speaking of cleansing all creatures for food is because anyone who knows about poisonous creatures understands there are literally hundreds of creatures that will absolutely kill you if you eat them, some in a matter of only seconds. Plus, if all things means all, as Christianity believes, then all would have to include humans, would it not? Have humans really been cleansed for food? Without a doubt, this was simply an allegory showing Peter what was once considered unclean, that is, by the Jews, the lost brothers of Judah were no longer to be considered unclean after embracing Yahweh. In fact, that is what the parable of the prodigal son was all about. The prodigal son was the lost ten tribes that the Jews refused to accept back as their actual brothers. At any rate, to truly understand the subject of clean and unclean, we need only look to the writings of Enoch, where he tells of angelic watchers who came down from heaven and corrupted mankind. Chapter 8 of Enoch chronicles these rebellious ones, teaching mankind all the evils which have plagued us ever since. Evils like sorcery, fornication, astrology, war, and even abortion. Then in Enoch 85, we find Enoch sharing with his children a vision, basically outlining the course of humanity from beginning to end. It's interesting to note how Adam and his descendants are depicted as clean animals until the stars, that is the angelic watchers, that came down and began to procreate with human women and are portrayed as unclean. How interesting how the offspring or the Nephilim of those watchers with human women are depicted as donkeys, elephants, and camels. Hmm, that's interesting when we think political, isn't it? Again, seeing all those evil watchers, pictures as unclean animals, what do you suppose the message is for us? It becomes quite clear when we see that all the animals used in the sacrifice in the temple were clean animals, no unclean ones at all. Even the Messiah, Yeshua, was pictured as a lamb, which of course is a clean animal. Before moving to the next chapter, I'd like to make a note about the prodigal son parable, which I mentioned just a moment ago. You see, the son that's squandered his inheritance among the Gentiles before finally being brought completely low was the northern Israelite tribes. Having lived like Gentiles and not being circumcised is why the Jews in the first century, and even now, to this very day, saw them, their brothers, as literal Gentiles. But if we remember the story, the son... Judah, the brother that stayed with his father, was very unhappy that his dad welcomed his brother back. 
In fact, to this day, the Jews still don't recognize their brothers as Israelites. But as Yahweh told the northern tribes in Amos 9.9, I will sift the house of Israel, that is the northern tribes, among all nations, that is the Gentile nations, as grain is sifted in a sieve, yet not the smallest grain shall fall to the ground. Again, they were not lost. But as asked before, what kind of a God loses his people anyway? That said, it's obvious the forbidding of the eating of unclean creatures is primarily a metaphor for listening to and practicing the illicit teaching, teachings of the demonic watchers and their Nephilim prodigy, that is, the pagan gods. The next chapter looks into one of those major unclean ones allowed to feed mankind, at least Christianity, corruption and poison.